What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. Hey, what's going on? It's Johnny King. Thanks for joining me on this episode. And I want to talk a little bit more about uh, things that I'm reading in The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. Uh, A couple episodes ago, I mentioned that I was... I'd listened to it when I was on my way up to Wyoming for a week, and I've listened to the book now a couple times through, because uh, it actually just becomes <laughs> more and more relevant the more I listen to it. Um, and so then I bought it, and now I'm actually reading it on my iPad. Uh, I'm just that type of learner. Like I, like I can listen to things, but then I sometimes need to write things down, I need to highlight things, I, I need to get into it. So... I'm back into it now for a third time within this past two weeks of uh, kind of rediscovering this book. And I'd like to read to you parts of the introduction, just the introduction, um, and then kind of throw in some some commentary, things for you to think about. Um, whether you're a guy or, or you're a gal listening to this, because I know women are listening to my podcast as well, this is pretty relevant stuff. Uh, and he talks a lot about the masculine and the feminine uh, qualities and the energies that we all have and that we express. So if that's kind of new to you, he'll kind of explain this in, in the introduction. So so bear with me. Um, and I've kind of just highlighted little pieces here and there. So hopefully it's not too disconjointed. Is that a word? Disconjointed? Yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe not. So here we go. Uh, kind of from the, the introduction of the, the way the superior man, he writes... Uh, David Data writes, Until fairly recently, modern roles for men and women were fixed and separated. Men were supposed to go out and earn money. Women were supposed to stay home and take care of the kids. Men often manipulated their women through physical and financial dominance and threat. Women often manipulated their men through emotional and sexual strokes and stabs. The typical and extreme caricatures of this previous time are the macho jerk and the submissive housewife. If you're reading this book, you have probably outgrown this first stage of sexual identity, or at least you can smile about it. Next came, and is still coming, a stage in which men and women both sought to balance their inner masculine and feminine energies toward 50-50, becoming more like one another. For instance, in the United States in the 1960s, men became to, uh, or began to emphasize their inner feminine they learned to go with the flow. They let out, let go of their rigid, one-dimensional masculine stance and embraced long hair, colorful clothes, nature, music, and a more carefree and sensual lifestyle. All means of embellishing or magnifying radiance, energy, and the abundant force of life magnifying the feminine. Meanwhile, many women were doing just the opposite. They were magnifying their inner masculine which at the level of human caricature, caricature? character <laughs> appears as direction or clarity of purpose and vision. 
Women gained financial and political independence. They strengthened their careers, focused more on personal long-term goals, went to school in increasing numbers for advanced degrees, and learned to be more assertive in their needs and desires. Now, having done a, a lot of um, Tony Robbins programs, I've heard him speak on this topic a lot. Um, and he talks about there's never been a, a greater time in human history than right now when more women who are at their core feminine, like wired, hardwired, and more men who are at their core masculine wired, and that's not my point. He says there's never been a time where more men are feminized and more women are masculinized. Is that a word? I'm making up words left and right here. Uh, does that make sense though? Where, where he talks about um, when the feminine gets stressed, it becomes it go, like it's, its way to cope is to actually shift into more masculine energies. So a woman who is, let's say, at her core more comfortable in her feminine, when she's stressed, she goes into action mode. And she's like, fuck this. I can't depend on anyone. I got to get this stuff done. Boom, 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 boom. But she loses her radiance. She loses her, her flow and her balance. Uh, a lot of times she can seem very hardened and, and yeah, very kind of um, machine-like, right? often kind of how guys are, right? So, but when men, when the masculine is stressed, it goes more feminine. So I've been in relationships uh, 10, 20 years ago. I can certainly remember, I know a lot of my friends who've been in relationships where when they get stressed and they feel like they, they can't win with their, uh, with their significant other, like, and by win, I mean, they can't like make them, um, they, they don't feel like they're serving a greater good in the relationship, they kind of like throw up their hands and they're like, okay, whatever, babe, whatever you want. So he becomes less decisive. He, he seems to be more quote unquote, go with the flow, but it comes from a place of weakness and a place of giving up. Does that make sense? So it's interesting when, when we talk about relationships that have lost that spark David Data will go into this a little bit more in this introduction. He's talking about relationships that have lost their polarity. Okay, so in continuing, he writes, uh, uh, "It was a good thing as time progressed for men to embrace their inner feminine and women to embrace their inner masculine. They became less. They became less fragmented and more whole in the process. They became less dependent on each other. Men could indeed change diapers." and women were completely capable of emptying the mousetraps. Macho men became more loose and feeling. Submissive housewives became more independent and directed. In terms of social roles, men and women became more similar. This was an improvement for everyone. But this 50-50 stage is only a second and intermediate stage of growth for men and women, not an endpoint. Side effects of this trend towards sexual similarity uh, similarity can be seen as a major cause of today's unhappiness in intimacy. The trend towards 50-50 has resulted in economic and social equality, but also in sexual neutrality. Let me say that again. The trend toward 50-50 has resulted in economic and social equality, but also in sexual neutrality. Bank accounts are balancing 
while passions are fizzling out. Men are less macho, while sex and violence continue to increase on TV and in the movies. Women are more in control of their economic destiny, while they go in increasing numbers to therapists and doctors to cope with stress-related dis-ease. Why is this happening? In my workshops and consultations, I hear independent and successful women complaining that many of today's men have become, quote, wimps, or too weak and ambiguous to really trust. Sensitive and affectionate men are complaining that many of today's women have become ball busters or too hardened and emotionally guarded to fully embrace. Is this the ultimate expression of human sexual wisdom in evolution, or is there another step to take? Now, speaking from, from experience, uh, I think having, having personally grown up without much of a healthy masculine role model, like all of my, mo- my role models, and the more I get into this quote-unquote men's work in becoming kings, if you will, I realize how much I was, was and have been, I should say, deeply encoded with uh, <laughs> like alpha masculine traits from cartoons and movies, primarily in TV shows. Like that, that was my childhood. I think about cartoons like He-Man, which is basically like, you know, an Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, <laughs> Dukes of Hazzard, uh, movies like anything with, with Arnold or Rocky, you know, Sylvester Stallone, um, Jean-Claude Van Damme, like all those movies, just these super ripped guys. And that still has a huge impact on how I envision my, even my physique as a man, right? Now, it's interesting because I, as I've learned to let go of a, a, more of that kind of like posing masculine, where I was attempting to fake it, even though I really didn't know what it meant to be a man. And I've really started to, to consciously step into like, okay, you know, I coming from a, from a place of being more hardwired, like my core is masculine, even though I certainly can express my feminine energies. Um, but I, I tend to lean towards the masculine and having done that more and then being out in the dating world the last 11, 12 years, I really have noticed, and, and it might be something that's particular just to, to even Denver, Colorado, but I have noticed that uh, that a lot of the women that I meet, even if they were, they, even if they are physically beautiful on the outside, a lot of times they don't have a whole lot of that feminine energy. They're not um, radiant. They're not expressive. They're not. Uh, uh, I could, uh, yeah, well, I won't beat a dead horse, but it's like, it's it's interesting because so many of them, once I started to get to know them, talk about how stressed they are. And what did I say before? When the feminine gets stressed, it goes masculine. So I've met so many women who are like, I don't need a man, I can do it myself, or they feel like they actually want a man to, to rescue them, but they can't truly trust a man. So they feel like they still have to do it all themselves, but they're constantly in stress either way. Right. And so I've dated these women and and don't get me wrong. It's not like it's one-sided. I definitely, you know, have been (laughs) given multiple opportunities to look at where is, where am I stressed? Where am I stressed and where am I going into my shadow uh, feminine, if you will, or my shadow masculine. So 
having said that, going back to the, the text here of, of uh, the way of the superior man, he says, to answer these questions, we need to understand the nature of sexual passion and spiritual openness. Sexual attraction is based on sexual polarity, which is what I was mentioning, uh, which is the force of passion that arcs between masculine and feminine poles. All natural forces flow between two poles. The north and south poles of the earth create a force of magnetism. The positive and negative poles of your electrical outlet or car battery create an electrical flow. In the same way, masculine and feminine poles between people create the flow of sexual feeling. This is sexual polarity. Okay. So hopefully this explains sexual polarity if you hadn't heard this before or weren't totally clear. As he goes on, he says, this force of attraction, which flows between two different poles of masculine and feminine, is the dy- <laughs> dynamism. <laughs> Why can I not say this word? Dynamism. Sure. Dynamism. Digador- diorgasm. No, that's not it. <laughs> dynamism. Let's just go with that. That often disappears. Uh, dynamic, that's what he's ultimately saying, is the dynamic that often disappears in modern relationships. If you want real passion, you need a ravisher and a, re- a ravishy. Otherwise, you just have two buddies who decide to rub genitals in bed. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Each of us, man or woman, possesses both inner masculine and inner feminine qualities. Men can wear earrings, tenderly hug each other, and dance ecstatically in the woods. Women can change the oil in the car, accumulate political and financial power, and box in the ring. Men can take care of their children. Women can fight for their country. We've proven these things. Just about anyone can animate either masculine or feminine energy in any particular moment, although they still might have a strong preference to do one or the other, which we'll get to in a moment. So the bottom line of today's newly emerging 50-50 or quote-unquote second stage relationship is this. If men and women are clinging to a politically correct sameness, even in moments of intimacy, then sexual attraction disappears. I don't mean just the desire for intercourse, but the juice of the entire relationship begins to dry up. The love may still be strong, the friendship may still be strong, but the sexual polarity fades unless in moments of intimacy one partner is willing to play the masculine pole and one partner is willing to play the feminine. You have to animate the masculine and feminine differences if you want to play in the field of sexual passion. So I've, I've experienced that in, in spades. Uh, on both sides, where, where I have lost sexual attraction towards my significant other, um, for a variety of reasons, probably reasons where I lose my power, let's say, my, my, my personal power, my masculine essence, or at times maybe where I'm holding it, but she gets totally stressed, and then we, we get into these bouts of kind of like masculine energy, headbutting against masculine energy. I remember I dated a girl, um, well, I didn't date a girl, I went out with her like twice. I, I, from Literally from the get-go, this woman was so... It became like, again, two buddies who were like just wrestling each other. This girl was so uh, in- intent in asserting her, like, uh, I don't know, I don't, what would you say, her dominance or or, or just like we just were like, head. I mean, we, we were kind of doing this in a kind of a flirtatious way in a sense, 
but it it ultimately like completely shut me like just turned me off in terms of any like sort of romantic interest in her and after the second date I was like I can't there's no interest so, like you could just be another buddy of mine where we're debating which sports team is better mine or yours right and it just got me really interested because I I've seen this play out both in you know my my life my life and the experiences of dating and meeting various men and women uh but I know that I've also heard this from other buddies of mine who have experienced this in their marriages you know long-term marriages like if you feel like you've lost that spark uh or if you're out dating or maybe you're just like like you mentioned earlier finding that all these guys are kind of uh just like wimps right or they're kind of directionless or you're finding that all these women seem like they're just uh hardened and uh they're not very feminine a lot of this like you said is this kind of finding that 50 50 sexual neutrality which is i think uh, an issue you know so let me uh let me wrap this up he says this is true um well let me read that last sentence so i can kind of flow into this one he said you have to animate the masculine and feminine differences if you want to play in the field of sexual passion this is true in homosexual as well as heterosexual relationships actually the gay and lesbian community is acutely aware the sexual polarity is independent of gender but you still need two poles for a passionate play of sexuality to persist in a relationship. Masculine and feminine, top and bottom, butch and femme, whatever you want to call these reciprocal poles of sexual play. It's up to you. You can have a loving friendship between two similars, but you need a more masculine and a more feminine partner in the moments when you want strong sexual polarity. Now, Tony Robbins will say what... what um, what attracts people oftentimes are their similarities, right? Like what, what I should say, what bonds people together are the similarities like, Oh, you, you love God. You love family. You love to be healthy. You, you know, are left wing, right wing. Like we will bond over our similar values, right? But in terms of creating passion, <laughs> sexual energy like David Data is mentioning in this book it's actually like Tony Robbins says it's our differences it's our differences that create the sexual polarity it doesn't matter if both par- partners are men or both are women it doesn't matter if in a heterosexual relationship the man plays the feminine pole and the woman plays the masculine pole it doesn't matter if you change every day who plays the masculine pole and who plays the feminine pole for sexual polarity you need an energetic polarity an attractive difference between masculine and feminine you don't need this difference for love but you do need it for ongoing sexual passion for some people who have what i call a more balanced sexual essence sexual polarity doesn't really matter they don't really want much passion in, in, in intimacy. They don't want a loving tussle full of sexual inspiration and innuendo. They would rather have a civilized friendship full of love and human sharing without the passionate ups and downs. And for these people, this book will be irrelevant, possibly even offensive. But this book is written specifically for people who have a more masculine sexual essence and their lovers who will have a more feminine sexual essence since you always attract your sexual reciprocal. These people can't have, can't help but be attracted into relationships based on difference, for better or for worse. And how often do we say, do we hear that? Like, oh, opposites attract. 
why that why that's they say that it's just literally like magnets, right? When you have two magnets of the same poles, they repel each other, right? But when you have uh, magnets, obviously, of differing poles, they snap together. But sometimes those differences, if you don't understand how important they are to create sexual polarity, we can start to feel like, how did I get involved in a relationship with this person when we're so different, you know? So you have to nurture those differences because those differences, again, are exactly what creates that, uh, that passion. So, as he goes on, says the mission or the search for freedom is the priority of the masculine, whereas the search for love is the priority of the feminine. This is why people with masculine essences would rather watch a football game or boxing match on TV than a love story. Sports are all about achieving freedom, such as by breaking free of your opponent's tackle or barrage of punches, and about succeeding at your mission by carrying the ball into the end zone or remaining standing after 10 rounds. For the masculine mission, competition, and putting all on the line, indeed facing death, are all forms of ecstasy. Witness the masculine polarity of war stories, dangerous heroism, and sports playoffs. But for the feminine, the search for love touches the core. Whether on soap operas and love stories or talking with friends about relationships, the desire for love is what appears in feminine forms of entertainment. The feminine wants to be filled with love, and if the bliss of real love is not forthcoming, chocolate and ice cream or a good romantic drama will do. The masculine wants to feel the bliss of a life lived on the edge. And if he doesn't have the balls to do it himself, he'll watch it on TV, in sporting events, and cop shows. Even happy and fulfilled men and women find it enjoyable to watch sports and eat ice cream, of course. But I'm just trying to make the point that even though all people have both masculine and feminine qualities that they could use at any moment to kick corporate ass or nurture children, for instance, most men and women also have a more masculine or feminine core. And this shows up in their regularity, uh, I should say, in, <laughs> in their regularity. Uh, no, we're not talking about regularity. In their regularly chosen entertainments as much as in their preferred sexual play. <laughs> in their regularity. It shows up in the bathroom in their bowel movements. And uh, no, that's definitely not what he's saying. Uh, I'm almost done here. I know you're probably thinking like, God, get uh, get this over with. I find this fascinating. Hopefully you do too. Uh, he says, think about it. This is good. This is good for you to think about. This is how you kind of find out whether or not you're more masculine or more feminine. I bet you you already know. But if you're kind of like, uh, I don't know. I, I love watching The Notebook and I like watching football. I don't know. Think about it. Would you rather that your sexual partner was physically stronger than you or would you prefer to feel your lover's physical vulnerability? Which would you turn on, I'm sorry, which would turn you on more? To pin your partner on the bed below you or to be pinned below your partner? To be swept off your feet by a sensitive and strong lover or to feel your lover surrender swooning in your arms? You may want both at different times, but most often which turns you on more or does each of these alternatives turn you on just the same that is are you just as turned on by a sexual partner who is physically weaker than you as by one who is stronger or exactly the same strength for me of course i'm, I'm more the the stronger <laughs> and i prefer to do the pinning than to be pinned right uh but i know a lot of women who prefer the the latter and they are more feminine right Again, it doesn't make it right or wrong. It just creates the, the polarity that can make 
sex and even just relationships so much fun. Last couple of paragraphs. Most people, about 90% in my experience, seem to have a definitive preference. They definitely either prefer that the partner kills the cockroach crawling towards them or they're fine with doing the crunchy job themselves, perhaps with sporting fever. Fervor. Fervor. Most people clearly favor watching a romantic love story on TV to a bloody boxing match or vice versa. Uh, they might be able to enjoy both at times, but their core becomes more emotionally involved in one or the other. Have you ever seen a group of masculine people watching a Super Bowl, goal, Super, Super Bowl game? You know just how emotional and masculine core becomes wait you know just how emotional the masculine core becomes while beholding a good mission of people living at their edge and giving their gifts or getting slaughtered for failing so about 90% of people who either have either a more masculine or more feminine sexual essence passionately lovingly and fiercely they would like to be ravished by or to ravish their intimate partner at least some of the time in addition to having a loving friendship. This holds true for homosexual and heterosexual people alike. About 10% of people, men and women, heterosexual or homosexual, have a more balanced essence. Boxing matches and love stories equally make them emotional or not. It doesn't really matter to them whether their, part, their lover is physically stronger or more vulnerable than them. Sexual polarity just isn't that important to them in relationships anyway. Um, I asked a, a buddy of mine who has been married to his husband gosh, for how long? I asked him like, hey, do you guys have sexual polarity? Like, is there one who, or do you, I mean, do you guys feel like one of you guys is more masculine and the other one's more feminine? He's like, no, we're, we're both pretty much, we're both very masculine. We're both the same. And it makes me think that I wonder if they're in that like 10% of, of men who are more neutral, polarized, and they, or they just kind of go back and forth. So anyways, uh, it just goes to show that there's a lot of people out there, obviously, with differing uh, preferences. So, as it says here, regardless of gender or sexual orientation, if you want to experience deep spiritual and sexual fulfillment, you must know your natural sexual essence, masculine, feminine, or balanced, and live true to it. You can't deny your true sexual essence by covering it with layers of false energy for years, and then expect to know your authentic purpose to be free in the flow of love. This book is a guide to shedding pretense and living true to your core, specifically for people who have a masculine sexual essence and their feminine essenced lovers who have to deal with them. In a well-intentioned effort to provide equal opportunity and rights for men and women, many people are inadvertently squashing their true sexual essence. They don't have to. It's certainly possible to provide equality while also living true to your masculine and feminine core, but most people don't, so they suffer. And that's it. I mean, for me... Being being a, a recovering nice guy, especially in my previous uh, marriage, I just remember I was super scared. I didn't know what uh, I certainly was on purpose. wasn't wasn't on purpose. Like I wasn't going out and slaying the dragon every single day. I was just going to a job that I really didn't like. That I was passionless about, and then I was coming home to to please you know and just you know be a yes man, right? And so I didn't have a whole. There wasn't a whole lot of sexual polarity. And so I think when she when she got so fed up with and who knows if this is you know this is just my my version of the of the story, but I imagine that she started getting stressed out that like okay, this man that I thought I you know fell in love with now he's kind of you know a sapling, 
shit, I'm going to have to do this stuff on my own. And she, like I said, she got stressed and she went from her feminine into her masculine and then we lost all polarity, right? And then that's that's when it becomes very easy for us to come up with stories about how we've lost that loving feeling and and uh, regaining that spark is is awfully impossible. So the suffering isn't um, certainly isn't necessary, but I do feel like a lot of men are suffering because they're not finding, they're not living on the edge like you talked about. And so for me, quitting my job jumping out into the world of entrepreneurship, um, having been out there now 11, 12 years, um, not, oftentimes not knowing what the fuck I'm doing. As scary as it is, though, it keeps me alive, man. It keeps me alive. Doing the stuff that I'm doing and facing like every single day is like, ugh. Some days obviously are much better than others, but some days are just like I just want to bury my head in the sand but I, I, you know, again, I keep forcing myself to show up. And I think that's, that's, I'm just using that as, uh, as an opportunity or, or an example of what I think you need to do. There's, there's gotta be something that you, you know, I've been even thinking about like this, writing down my fears list. When I had my buddy Lewis Howes, Lewis Howes on my podcast, he talked about writing his fears list and he, you know, he wrote out his list and he started kind of just chipping away at him. One of them was learning how to salsa dance, which he became really good at. Another one was speaking, uh, public speaking, which he became really good at and going to Toastmasters. There's a part of it where if, you, if you're not living on your edge, which David Data talks a lot about it in this book, um, then you're not going to necessarily be able to tap into your full masculine energy and core. So for what it's worth, it's a little bit longer of a podcast um, of just hearing me read a book but I think it's relevant for a lot for a lot of men of where they are, and myself included. I mean, I, I'd certainly have come a long, long way, a long, long way from 15, 10, 15 years ago, even five years ago, let's be honest. However, the work never ends. It's just, it's very easy to, and you see it like in baseball, like guys will be tearing up and then they go into this like four, four week slump, you know, and their confidence is shot. They feel like they're the worst baseball player ever. Um, they wonder, they start to doubt whether or not <laughs> they even have what it takes to stay in the majors. Like all guys probably go through this when they're living on the edge and they get beat down, right? You get knocked down and you wonder like, shit, can I get back up? So again, I highly recommend that you go and read not only this introduction, but the rest of this book, The Way of the Superior Man by David Data, because I know it will absolutely enrich your life, especially if you are a masculine kind of wired or like like David Data says, you know, at your core is masculine energy uh, in terms of just being a guy. So anyways, thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you soon. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, if you read this book, let me know what your thoughts are. I could talk about this shit all day long. I would love it. So hit me up and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. That's it for this one. And I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend, or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. 
Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.